Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second installment of our Real Life Groups in this season. Last time, we worked through God's calling us by His grace and mercy and power. And this time, we're going to work through two other C's that we are both cleansed by Christ and that we celebrate the work of our God. I'm going to start with the cleansing, or not start with the cleansing, but start with the celebrating, because it's actually what we typically most think of when we think of worship, and it is the initial response to being called. There is a quirky thing that happens when you're called by God in worship, or we are, and that is you may not be feeling it at any given time, and you may be feeling shame or brokenness, regret, folly. You may be giddy and ready to um, give all sorts of praise to God. But no matter how you experience that call, your response, whether you're feeling it or not, is to give honor and glory to God. And so the sea of celebrate actually has places and parts throughout the service, but it's initial form or the way we see it first is actually in praise of God. What we often think of as worship is often the music of worship or the singing of worship, and that's what this is talking about at first. And the assembled singing of God is is throughout the scriptures. Obviously, we do have 150 psalms that God gave us to uh, praise him with, um, and almost all of them are explicit about it being in the assembly, in the gathered people of God. And even the ones that are more private and journal-like in their feel, they were written and gathered for public worship. So we assure ourselves of the triune God's faithfulness in our singing to him. But celebrating God's place in the worship service or his, um, his work in the world um, manifests in other ways too. We confess our faith together. You can do um, Psalm 33, Psalm 97, Psalm 136, the Shema, which is hero Israel, your God is one, things that we repeat over and over again. Oftentimes we use creeds and such to deal with, to, to uh, proclaim those things. And it's we're joining the universal church, the covenant people of God throughout history to declare the truths of God, to remind us again of his mercy and the story of his redemption. Now, part of celebrating also is where the tithe and offering come in. Uh, in Leviticus, it was the tribute grain offering. And what we're saying is that we have been kept by your power and your provision, and yet you um, had call us to be generous with that and to give to others in the middle of it and to give back to him. And so out of the abundance that we have, and frankly, even out of the scarcity we have at times, we give from God's hand back to his hand toward the mission of God's church. There are some traditions that don't think celebration includes something like a testimony, but I think that's pretty off, especially as testimony declaring the works of God are such an essential part of the entire scripture. Even the Psalms teach us to do so. So when we tell a story, 
when someone comes up and says, this is how God has been faithful, or this is how God's being faithful when I don't see the end result yet, that's testimony, and that is part of the celebration of God. It is part of what we do in worship. I can't even think of the number of psalms that say, declare the mighty acts of God in the fellowship. That's what we're doing there, and we're doing it on a personal and and a, a, a profound level of or existential or experiential level, and that is good and right to do. Now, those don't always fit neatly in every single service, but they're all there, and they're all part of the sea of celebration. So when you're heading into a worship service on any given Sunday, and you don't like the beat of a song, or don't love the, the rendition that we're doing, or you finally got the one you really, really cared about, the one you really, really like, the one that kind of hits you at a heart level, we still approach them in the same way, knowing that we are a community doing this. I always say I would love it if people would come to me after a service and say, man, I really don't like X song, but we need to play X song because it, it touches the heart of this person I know who loves it. And I want to worship with them in their heart language too, their musically musical heart language as well. There's something about how we orient toward that space where we're saying, oh, all of us, we together are bringing our praise, our testimony, our resources, our confession to God. And it's a true gift to God that he welcomes. Now it is right and true to give him all the worship and honor and glory he deserves, but he also welcomes it, invites us in. Because when we orient to having his glory be the most important thing in the room, it actually uh, reframes how we approach our life in the world. Putting the weightiest things first actually helps us, actually heals us. So on a Saturday night, it's good and right for you to tally God's faithfulness over the week or two or month. You can still be frustrated or anxious or unsure about how it will work out, but it's good and right to, to name those things, at least in your mind and heart, maybe write them down, and really think about bringing those forth in your worship to God on any given Sunday. Now, as we move to cleansing or how God cleanses us in Christ in a worship service, there's a lot going on there. As I said, you, you come into the presence of a holy God who's calling you to worship him, and sometimes you're feeling it, sometimes you're not. But exposure to that kind of power and beauty and purity and strength, it can be a little unnerving at times. And that's why both in Leviticus, that the, the sacrificial system was based on um, a portion of it to be about cleansing, about owning who you are in, in the midst of a holy God. That, that we have a deep sense that there's something we must reckon with. Now, there's two things going on here in the cleansing portion of the worship service. And we need to stay safe from 
from the get that we're there in worship because God has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. And so it's not like we must activate God's forgiveness and kindness. That's That activation, that activity happens in the cleansing blood of Christ, the resurrection, so that we are adopted and fully accepted as children of God. And yet, I use this analogy a lot, it's a little bit like the trash being taken out. The trash is going to be taken out, but if, if we bottle up, if we, if we let it fill um, our cans or our yards, then, then the, the things get in the way. Um, I think I used the analogy uh, when we were on the retreat that, that the bears come by and tear it up and make things worse. And so there's like an owning and a accounting for the sin that we see that the Lord reveals to us at any given time throughout the week that we come to God with and we just say, hey, yeah, that's true of me. I did do this. I neglected to do that. And that's not like an accounting activity when I say account for. It, it, it's not about getting the numbers right. Heck, you and I don't know our sin well enough to even be able to name it perfectly. We, we, we offer to God what we know is true about ourselves as far as we can know. And we unload. We put the trash to the curb. And in the confession and the assurance and the cleansing, he scoops that trap, trap, trash up and takes it away. Again, this is not a theological statement. He has taken all the trash of our past, of our present, of our future. But it is an experiential reminder. It's a living into the reality that day to day, hour to hour, minute by minute, we can come to him, we can practice repentance. But not just repentance, but trust, faith in the new life and the grace that he has for us. So, on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, you're thinking through your week, you're experiencing your own brokenness and shame. It's good and right to know that you're coming to a space in which all of God's people gathered that Sunday are preparing to unload the burdens of their own brokenness, the sins that they've committed, the beautiful things that they have refrained from and that we're able to just own that it really is one of the most beautiful things in the worship of God is to be able to just say I can tell the truth on myself I can tell on myself and that's the space in which you will experience not just owning the reality to all that you've done or left undone but that you'll actually and this is the most important part, experience him lifting your head. It's live and real and good because you'll notice that we oftentimes use um, our own human words for our confession. Because even if we it nails it on a given Sunday, we know that we're so full of other things that are wrong about us. But what you hear in every assurance of pardon is actually God's word. Sometimes it's paraphrased, but it's God's word speaking the truer truth that we're not as bad as 
he is loving. That we're not as broken or rebellious as he is gracious. And so there's this little space in that silence where we kind of personalize whatever the the, um, corporate confession is. But there's this little, little wonderful, anxious hope that we just cannot wait to get to the point where we hear that God forgives our sins. Yes, it is theologically true, past, present, and future, but the ones we're actually dealing with right then and there, that the kindness of God has come to those spaces, to our own hearts, and says, yeah, I know, and I love you, and I forgive you, and I sent my son to make all those things right. I have a friend who studies liturgics. He's a PhD in how to set up a worship service. And he said, if I only had 30 seconds for a worship service, what I would do is do a statement that said, God calls you. And I make a statement that said, we have sinned. And I make a statement that says, in Christ you are forgiven. There's something really beautiful and right to anticipate, to grow in, to be excited about in these things. In a world that never wants to expose themselves because someone would hurt you. In a world that never wants to own uh, our own responsibilities and actions. In the gospel and in the worship service, you get to own it all and still be loved. Fully known and fully loved. That's what the cleansing portion of the worship service is all about. So overall, I just want you to uh, experience, um, to, to have some knowledge and, and, and to maybe think about how you can kind of grow in some practices that prepare for times like these. Maybe it's just tallying God's kindness to you, writing it down. You can do it on your notes section of your phone, or you can just keep a little three-by-five card. And at the same time, the things that you've done or failed to do but most importantly to hear that given all of that, his loving kindness is the truest word spoken after your confession because he loves us with an everlasting love and his word is true and we can trust him.